Hello, I'm Amanda Jezik, IDSA's Senior Vice President for Public Policy and Government Relations. Welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series that aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by talking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Trish Pearl, J.P. Sanford Professor of Medicine and Chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases and Geographic Medicine at UT Southwestern, and Dr. Preeti Malani, Chief Health Officer and a Professor of Medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Michigan. We'll be discussing summer travel and vacationing. Thank you both for joining us today. Dr. Malani, COVID-19 vaccinations have given many people a sense of returning to normalcy as businesses are opening up and the CDC has changed its masking guidance. Will this summer be a lot different from last summer and in what sense? Well, Amanda, the good news is that I, th- I think the summer is already feeling very different and the difference is vaccines, at least in the United States where vaccines have been widely available And each day we find out more and more about how well vaccines work. So my sense is that there's going to be a lot more movement. It's going to feel a lot closer to normal. It doesn't mean that the pandemic's over or that the risk of infection is gone. But in many communities, there's very limited spread right now. And so for those who are vaccinated, uh, we're going to see uh, more of a return to uh, the usual activities this summer. And Dr. Milani, during the warmer summer months last year, we saw a lot of people gathering in smaller groups, and then we saw a resurgence of COVID during the fall and winter months last year. Are you at all concerned about the same thing happening this year? Yeah, you know, last summer was interesting. And as you know, the rates were low in the summer, mostly because, well, seasonality, but also we were coming off of weeks of strict stay-at-home orders. And in most states, a lot of things were shut down. People weren't getting on airplanes. And the mitigation measures were being followed pretty closely, but they're hard to maintain. So by the fall, again, the seasonal aspects, schools, colleges, people trying to move towards something that felt more like normal, gathering in groups, we did see an increase. And I think this year, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I am optimistic that this fall will be better, but we are likely going to see clusters at, at minimum, if not some surges. Overwhelmingly, these are going to be in people that are unvaccinated and not just people who are eligible and unvaccinated, but again, younger children who are not yet eligible and then some immunosuppressed individuals who might not respond. Dr. Pearl, for many people, summer means vacationing. What advice do you have for those who are considering staying someplace other than home for possibly the first time in more than a year? The things to really consider are what kind of environment do you want to go into? What kinds of uh, factors may put individuals in your family at risk? For example, if you're traveling with your grandmother, you may want to consider different types of a vacation than if you're going with individuals who've all been vaccinated. What you're going to hear us say over and over again is that we are still in the midst of this pandemic and we're seeing a lot of geographic variation and burden of disease. And so people have to be very aware that things can change really quickly in these areas. So they have to be prepared to change and have contingency plans. Do you have any specific advice for families who have children that are too young to be vaccinated and how might they be able to travel safely? 
I'm a very strong advocate of vaccination, and I think that everyone should be vaccinated who can be vaccinated before they do any kind of travel. What that does allow is if, you know, the parents and those individuals around kids are vaccinated is it does protect them a little bit from exposure. The other thing is that we are going to still intermittently need to be masking. We want to consider avoiding certain situations that may put children or those we're traveling with at risk. So it may not be the wisest thing to go to a crowded area where there are going to be a lot of people who are potentially not vaccinated. You may want to consider taking your children to a place where they're going to be safer and not necessarily exposed to that. There are a lot of different practices that are occurring in different places, and you can based on your comfort level, choose to go to areas, for example, or to places where they may require testing of people or they may actually require that everyone be vaccinated who can be vaccinated. Finally, you know, with children, the risk is relatively low in terms of the complications from COVID, but still there are risks. You want to make sure that you're taking them into places that are safe for them. And, you know, that's something that I would just really reinforce with parents is that they can't get vaccinated now. So we have to keep them safe in other ways. And Dr. Pearl, over the past several months, anyone who has traveled needed to factor in quarantining once they arrived or after they returned home. Is that something that still needs to be done? So that is a public health measure that is variable, and you really need to understand the rules based on where you're going. In the United States right now, there are currently very few quarantining recommendations that I'm aware of outside of what might be required by certain employers. But internationally, it's very, very variable, and it is changing. The things that people have to do is really understand what the recommendations are for that country. Uh, I would just caution people that they need to double check and not necessarily rely on airlines and other individuals. You don't want to end up in a country and then have the wrong information or not be able to get into that country. And then heed some of the recommendations if they say you need to be vaccinated, make sure that you have a copy of your vaccination card, make sure that it's an appropriate card. And there are also recommendations for being tested and follow those recommendations carefully because some groups won't accept certain types of tests. So you want to make sure that what you are doing is a practice that will be accepted and you're not going to have any kind of interruption of any sort so that you aren't quarantined. IDSA and the CDC present the COVID-19 Real-Time Learning Network. Timely COVID-19 information curated by clinicians for clinicians. Be the first to know. Visit IDSA's COVID-19 Real-Time Learning Network for the latest COVID-19 resources for the frontline healthcare community. Go to covid19learningnetwork.org. Dr. Milani, there's been a lot in the news about variants of COVID-19 and most recently the Delta variant. Does this make you any more cautious about traveling, both domestically and internationally? The Delta variant is the most recent of the variants. It seems like there's always a new one that that we're talking about, and it is certainly emerging, and it appears to uh, spread rapidly. And so far, 
cases of severe illness have almost all been in individuals who are unvaccinated or are partially vaccinated. So the good news is vaccination once again works. In terms of travel, I am personally not concerned uh, about most U.S. travel. You do need to be smart about how you travel and especially if you're in a larger group and if you have a mixed group in terms of younger children who aren't aren't, uh, fully vaccinated, but domestic travel can be done safely and you just have to be thoughtful about it and think about the various steps. I do have some concerns about international travel and this, uh, this applies to the U.S. as well. You want to go to places where there's not a high rate of infection because it's hard to do other things safely. International travel, one of the things I worry about is non-infection related illness. If the health system somewhere is overwhelmed, it's going to be difficult for you to get care if something else happens to you. And again, right now there are a number of restrictions. So a lot of this is uh, theoretical, but you know, personally, I think that family vacation to Europe should probably wait until at least next year. Dr. Pearl, do you think that some ways are safer to travel than others? For example, would you maybe recommend only vacationing within driving distance or would you also be comfortable flying? You have to really consider who is going on this vacation and what kinds of mitigation measures you can put in place. Driving is going to be, in general, the safest. You know exactly who's in the car. You know what they've been exposed to. You know if they're vaccinated or not. And so you really actually have a fair amount of understanding of what that risk is. When you start getting and using other modes of transportation, you have a little less information. That being said, airlines right now are requiring masks, at least on the airplanes. They really have done a very good job of making sure that individuals are masked. And in addition, we know that the ventilation systems on most of these aircrafts have been really optimized to make sure that the air exchanges are adequate and minimize the risk to individuals. So, From that perspective, it's safe. I can say personally, what I have found the most worrisome is really when you walk through the airports where there are a whole host of interpretations of what people can and can't do. So, you know, what I would say is that you have to really look at the risk for the individual and try and make sure that um, when you pick a mode of transportation that you you make it safe for the individuals who are going and recognize that the modalities such as driving are going to be much safer, especially if you have individuals who are at high risk of complications of COVID. And you can think of that also in terms of of children, et cetera. Things like bicycling, if you want to take a bicycle vacation, you know, that would be even safer than driving. So there are other ways of, of vacationing and other types of travel that we haven't necessarily promoted that would be very safe also. And Dr. Pearl, as we think about different travel options and different levels of safety, what about cruises? How would you classify their safety? So the cruise industry has really done a very, they've really looked at the the evidence and the risk on cruise ships. And I think that what we know is that because of the way the cruise ships are constructed, 
the closeness of individuals and the air handling systems that this is an environment that is a little bit riskier. Because of that, cruise ships have really been advocating for only vaccinated individuals. And they've also been implementing more aggressive testing strategies that, again, minimize the risk. That being said, there have been a couple of recent events that have demonstrated that despite all these measures, they still have identified individuals who have had COVID. You know, so there is going to be some risk. So I think if people are going to do cruises, what they should be doing is making sure that it's a, a cruise where everyone has to be vaccinated and have proof of vaccination and that there's a potential to do a testing strategy. Otherwise, personally, I would not go on a cruise right now. I think that it is a riskier environment, and I just want to make sure that my vacation didn't end up with a, a COVID kind of exposure. And I certainly wouldn't want to develop COVID and be in a place where I couldn't get care, or as Dr. Milani said, where the healthcare system was overwhelmed. For some people, summertime might be staying at home, but still attending large gatherings such as concerts or baseball games. Can I get thoughts from both of you on the safety of those types of events? So my approach throughout the pandemic has been really to focus on what we can do instead of what we can't do and thinking about how we can do things as safely as possible, realizing that the lowest risk from a COVID standpoint is to stay home and never leave. But one of the things I say all the time is that COVID is not the only risk to your health. And it's essential that people get out and they interact with other individuals and they stay physically active and they you know that children get a chance to play. And the two examples you gave, Amanda, are concerts and baseball games. And in the summertime, these are outdoor concerts by and large, maybe not everywhere. And baseball games are also outdoors. So those are good examples of the kind of things that are, are good for families to go to because kids who are too young to be vaccinated at this point can attend and they can attend safely. In general, big, huge, large gatherings of mixed people where you don't really know what their vaccination status is, if it's indoors, I think those are still things to be avoided. As we're finding vaccination does a really good job of protecting us, but again, not everyone is fully vaccinated. I would say for families, stick to outdoor venues. Again, assuming that the transmission is low in the community. So get out of your house and go enjoy the summer is my advice. There've been certain concerts where they're saying, we're only going to have people who are vaccinated. So, you know, you can also choose to do something like that. You can, if you feel uncomfortable, always wear a mask. I mean, there's no reason, even if you are vaccinated, that you can't take extra precautions when you don't know what other individuals have been doing. And then finally, I'm going to reiterate, but there has been a movement with certain of these events where they've been actually doing some pre-testing before people can go into events. And so, as we've indicated, people are trying to make sure that these are going to be safe and certainly, if you're going to be going indoors, you need to think about, uh, you know, what additional strategies has the group that is putting on the event taken to make sure that it's safe. And if you are going in indoors, you know, is there a little bit more space? Are they perhaps not filling to capacity? 
So you can really choose your event and make sure that they have implemented everything that they possibly can so that you can enjoy it and feel comfortable and be safe. At this time, I'd like to thank Drs. Pearl and Milani for their time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. I'm Amanda Jessick. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast.